We give much thanks and glory to God for this special day, a day to share with all of you, our Marian family, and most of all, our Marian community that we have gathered together here. Not all of our members are here, but we are in spirit with you to celebrate this special day. Now, the Immaculate Conception, we start with the word immaculate, which means without original sin or the stain of that sin. Two parts. Now, we all know Mary was conceived in the normal way. We know this. And our conception, however, is stained in that stain is a corrupt nature. We have inherited concupiscence from what Brother John read after the fall. Now, Mary was freed from both of these, both the sin, the original sin, and the stain that came with it. Most people don't know that, that Mary did not have either, not just not the sin, but the concupiscence of the broken human nature that came with it. So as we also heard read by our rector, Father Matthew, Gabriel says, hail, full of grace, meaning full means what? Lacking nothing. So if she is full of grace, she is lacking no grace. And that Greek, the language of the Gospels, implies fullness to the sense that she could have no stain. In any form of stain, she would be lacking. That's why it implies more than just highly favored. All right. She has a permanent and unique grace. Now, the dogma declared we all know in 1854 that, quote, that the most blessed Virgin Mary in the first instance of her conception by a singular grace and a privilege granted by Almighty God in view of the merits of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the human race, was preserved, preserved free from all stain of original sin. Now, this was declared by Pius IX in 1854, ex cathedra, meaning absolutely defined as dogmatic, infallible revelation. But you know what? This, and, and, and often we get letters, often you can read the comments. People say this is a man-made declaration, that this is just something that the church created. Actually, it goes back very rich in apostolic tradition. Now, Origen calls her worthy of God, immaculate of the immaculate, most complete sanctity, neither deceived by the persuasion of the serpent, nor infected with his poisonous breath. Now, Ambrose, we just celebrated yesterday, right? St. Ambrose said she is incorrupt, a virgin, immune through grace from every stain of sin. St. Ephraim. Now, we're going back into the ancient tradition of the church. St. Ephraim said she was an innocent, she was as innocent as Eve before her fall, a virgin most estranged from every stain of sin, more holy than the seraphim, the pure seed of God, ever in body and in mind, intact and immaculate. Now, I could go on for an hour reading 
the tradition of the church. This was not just begun in 1854. Now, go back eight, by the year, even in the 700s. In 750, this was celebrated throughout the Byzantine Empire. By 1476, Sixtus IV adopted the feast for the entire Latin church. Then the next year, 14, or excuse me, a few years later, 1497, listen to this. This is one of my favorites. In 1497, the University of Paris declared and decreed that no one would be admitted into the university who did not swear that he would do the utmost to defend and assert the immaculate conception of Mary. Wow, have times have changed. As I said, it's a holy day of obligation today. Do you know it's been that since 1708? Way before the dogma was declared. So please try to attend mass today. If you're homebound or you're, you're bedridden, you're uniting with us in prayer today. So I want to finish by saying the common misunderstandings, like, well, she could not have been immaculate conceived because then that would mean Mary didn't need a savior. Did Mary need a savior? That's a common question, of course. Of course. The Blessed Virgin she obtained from Christ, the greatest of redemptions, right? Through the mystery of her uh, preservation from sin in the first place. This is powerful. She was saved by anticipation. It was still God who saved her from original sin. You know, it's interesting because God can cleanse us from sin. Non-Catholics believe that. All Christians believe that. If God has the power to clean us after we sin, how would we not believe that he also has the power to preserve from sin in the first place? My good friend Stephen Ray equates it to being in front of a mud pit. And he says... We have all fallen in the mud pit, and if God has the power to cleanse us after we get muddy, why would we not think that God had the power to preserve Mary from falling in the mud pit in the first place? Both ways require a savior. Both ways. And so he still saved her, but in a more glorious manner. You know, on Saturdays we talk about, I love having a chance to teach you and teach what I learned in seminary. When I was in seminary, I remember learning at both Dominican House and Holy Apostles, beautiful things that I, I remember learning it, thinking, I want to share this with the world. And now we're getting millions of views, and, and we're able to share that with you and through our homilies, our live streams, our talks. And I want to share with you one short paragraph that I had in my paper back in seminary that I don't even remember the source of where I learn this, but putting it together, I wanted to read this short paragraph to you. Regarding Mary having sin or not, in Genesis 3.15, both Jesus and Mary are said to be in a state of enmity against the serpent, which in the original Hebrew means complete and radical opposition to Satan. It is for this reason that it is not likely that God would have permitted Mary to inherit any sin, especially the condition of original sin from Adam and Eve. 
any participation by her in the disorder and corruption of the soul that the rest of us inherited from Adam and Eve would place the mother of Jesus at least partially under the sway of Satan and evil. Meaning if Mary had even the tiniest sin, even original sin, she would have been at least partly under the sway of Satan and thus contradict the Bible, contradict the complete enmity between Mary and Satan prophesied in Genesis 3. She still needed a savior to preserve her from the sin in the first place because Jesus could not have coexisted with sin in the womb of a woman who had any sin. I think that is the proof positive of Mary's immaculate conception. You know, we Marians here took on the name from our founding father, St. Stanislaus Papchinsky. And we were blessed enough to have in our founder, not only a saint, but somebody who saw the importance of the Immaculate Conception way before it was declared a dogma. Now you might be asking, then why are you Marian fathers about divine mercy? Why are the Marians involved in divine mercy? We always say, according to Father Seraphim, God's greatest act of mercy ever bestowed on a creature is the Immaculate Conception. You know, we Marians are the first men's community in the world to ever bear this title, the Immaculate Conception, way back in 1670. You know, that's our charism. Our general sent a beautiful circular letter out talking about the mystery of the Immaculate Conception. And you know, our former general, Jan Rokosz, when I was in Poland a few years ago, really stressed, and I think it's beautiful, that the mystery of the Immaculate Conception is just not Mary's Immaculate Conception, but is actually the entire mystery of the Trinity. And I remember thinking, why is that so? As, as Father Rokosz was explaining it, I was like, why would that be so? And it made perfect sense. Because remember how Augustine explains the Trinity? Augustine explains the Trinity in a beautiful way. He says, you know, in order for us, you know, God is love. And in, in, in order for, for there to be love, you need a community of persons. And he said that in, in the Trinity, we have God the Father is the lover. Augustine said we have God the Son who is the beloved. And the love between them is so great that from it comes a third person, the Holy Spirit. Now, that's why the family is a mirror of the Trinity. You have the husband, the lover, the wife, the beloved. And the love between them is so great that from it comes a third person, the child. Now, this is why in our world today, we need to pray because this is all being obliterated. We just heard that the Senate passed the Protection of Marriage Act. What a misnomer. It's the Destruction of Marriage Act. Joan and Dave Maroney at Divine Mercy for America are big time promoting this. I encourage you to read their website, what they have out there. This is very dangerous. 
when I read the, the wording of this bill that's gone before Congress or this act, I was, I mean, few things scandalize me anymore, but this was one that did. It says by the act of the federal government, it is declared that marriage is not between a man and a woman. Can you get anything more in direct defiance of the revelation of God? I don't think so. And so in this concept of marriage, that the family mirrors the Trinity, that mystery of the Trinity, the love between the second and the first person, the second person of the Trinity, and from it comes a third person, the Holy Spirit. That is why Maximilian Kolbe called the Holy Spirit the uncreated immaculate conception. He's not created. But Kolbe called him the uncreated immaculate conception because he proceeds from the Father and the Son. And with the Father and Son, he is adored and glorified. He is spoken through the prophets. And so we have in this beautiful gift the whole Marian charism. You are Marian helpers because you are sharing in that charism. We are Marian fathers because we are based on that charism. You know, we are celebrating our 350th year anniversary. And it's really a multi-year process. It, we used to celebrate 1670 as our founding, but it became now obvious that our true founding was in 1670. Now, why? That is when our founder, St. Stanislaus Papchinsky, drafted his Oblatsia. And this basically was his surrender and everything through the hands of Mary. You know what is fascinating about this? This was the first Marian consecration. Our founder, now there's always been Marian consecration in some sense, but our oblatio of our founder was really a Marian consecration. Now this is funny, all this talk about St. Louis de Montfort, and rightfully so, about him being the first Marian consecration. Do you know when St. Louis de Montfort was born? 1673. The same year we used to celebrate our founding. But we now recognize it's 1670, which means us Marian fathers brought to the world a formal oblatio, a formal Marian consecration before St. Louis de Montfort was even born. This is why I'm a Marian. And then it was said to me when I was discerning that the Marians are divine mercy. Well, wait a minute. Are they merry or are they divine mercy? But this makes perfect sense because the two greatest spiritual weapons of our time are merry and divine mercy. We just heard Brother John read in Genesis 3.15 what happened in the garden. And when man fell, what did God the Father do? He didn't wait one minute. Instantly, in the garden, God acted. And he gave us what? The gift of a mother and the promise of a savior, Mary and Jesus, the divine mercy, Mary immaculately conceived and Jesus, the divine mercy. As we said, Father Seraphim, he used to say, God wanted, people would ask, why are the Marians divine mercy? 
Father Seraphim always answered, God wanted divine mercy under the mantle of Mary. And the mantle of Mary is most seen in her immaculate conception. And her immaculate conception is most seen in the Marian fathers who were the first to bear her name. This is why the Marian fathers are so critical in this time. That is why every one of these brothers is here today. And that is why you are a Marian helper. We are chosen by God for a mission. And that mission is based on Jesus' divine mercy through the hands of Mary. It is all about Mary and divine mercy. This is everything. Let us on this day be pure and immaculate. Let us on this day be apostles like our mother Mary was, pure and immaculate. Let us on this day recognize what God is asking us to do through her hands. Amazing what this mission is and amazing how God can use even the smallest unknown community that was formed in a remote part of Poland in 1670. This, prior to the dogma of the Immaculate Conception, united with divine mercy to prepare the world for Christ's second coming. O Mary, conceived without original sin, pray for us who have recourse to thee. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.